a leader is afraid, the leader is aware. Okay, so you're afraid about your budget, you're afraid of what's going to happen in the economy, you're afraid of this. And when we lead out of fear, when we live out of fear, creativity doesn't come up, innovation doesn't come up. It's, it's a really stagnant feeling. But when we live out of awareness, and we're aware that this is where our money is, and we're aware that this is where and what the economy could be, and we're aware that things could happen, well, then we're open to creativity and we're open to these opportunities. Being afraid prevents you from doing things. Being aware prepares you to do the right things. And so what I would challenge everyone on who is listening right now is look at something that you are afraid of and convert that to awareness and look instantly how your energy changes to what it is that you want to do and how you want to be within that subject. Listening to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them. And my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them, and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm listeners, welcome back to the show. It is 2023. It's hard to believe we've been doing this since 2018, and here we are. And we are kicking things off in January. Um, we are at the end of January and uh, getting to experience kind of this first month of 2023, sort of seeing where it may lead and kind of taking the temperature and the tone of the new year. It's really been an interesting and fun process, especially as it feels that we have quite quickly put uh, COVID and lockdowns in our rear view and things are going back semi to normal. Uh, hopefully you had an enjoyable holiday season with your loved ones, hopefully in person this year. And I know that I'm just kind of taking stock of things as I'm in a kind of a new space in life. It's really interesting to uh, just be curious about how I might do things differently than I've historically done them and also being curious about my motivations and my agendas behind the way I do certain things and how I'm showing up in relationships and even being intentional about relationships in life and 
friendships and working relationships and just uh, really kind of seeing things with a beginner's eye and a fresh eye as well and really resisting the pull of old patterns and old habits trying to retrain some new neural networks which can be really challenging Uh, one thing I think that's become very apparent to me is the way that we will default to our old habits and patterns when we get really sideways uh, on certain things and those become really great opportunities to uh, then be be curious and say, oh, there's there's that thing that I do again, and it's the thing or that behavior or pattern I've been trying really hard to change. And this stressful event or this angry thing or this fearful thing or this anxious thing, it prompted me to go right back into a default of an old pattern. And isn't that interesting? I've certainly been working on this with myself, with the help of a coach that I've been working with since my uh, bike collision back in June of 22. I've not talked about that a whole lot here on the show just because my case was actively pending, but have been able to put some closure on much of that and I'm able to speak more publicly about it all now and uh, in a future episode perhaps we'll discuss more of my injuries and my recovery, but a big takeaway from the work I've been doing with that specific coach since the crash is really working hard on being and becoming a clear communicator, really asking for what I want and I need, encouraging people in my life to do the same, creating safe space so that they feel they can ask for what they want and what they need, and then being a clear communicator when it is something that I am unwilling or uninterested in doing or participating in. Um, really allowing friends and family to trust my word, to be impeccable with my word, if you will, where my yes means yes and my no means no, and not asking people in my life to read minds. And with that work, I'm finding more and more that I'm called to people who I can trust their communication, where I am also not being asked to be a mind reader. And that's been a really big shift for me um, in adulthood, where for much of my life, there has been very much the nuance of the mind reading and hoping people will figure out what I want and what I need without telling them, um, which doesn't set anyone up for success, by the way. Being Impeccable with Your Word does bring up to mind a book I would recommend that you read. Um, the The Four Habits, I think they're up to five now, um, this is a really powerful book that I think I'm actually going to go back and reread again. Uh, and now I'm blanking on the, <laughs> on the actual full title and the author. So I will include that in the show notes. I'm also going to include in the show notes, a book that I mentioned in my interview today. It's called, uh, 4,000 weeks, uh, the time management for mortals. It's a really fantastic read and it just came out late in 22. Highly recommend it. I'll include a link to that. More importantly, let's talk about the guest I have on show today. His name is Ryan Avery. Check him out at his website, ryanavery.com. Ryan is the most incredible public speaker I've ever met and one of the most enthusiastic and encouraging humans that I've ever had occasion to interact with. And I'm super proud to call him a friend and a fellow entrepreneur and business owner. And he's just a really exceptional leader. And I learn so much from him every time we interact. Ryan and I broke uh, the world record for the longest static cycling class, uh, which translates to 28 hours inside a cycling studio on cycling um, bikes, spin bikes, as many of you may may know them. And we rode for 28 hours and raised money for people for bikes. 
And you can check that video out on his website, ryanavery.com or breakinghistory.tv. And we're going to talk all about that and so many more things on today's interview. Thank you so much for coming back. And I'm really excited that we have a new sponsor joining us, which is Campus Cycles in Denver. You can check them out at campuscycles.com. They have been serving the greater Denver area since 1983, and they specialize in bikes from Trek and Niner, professional bike repair and service, and expert bike fitting. Um, This will be a uh, time-sensitive discount because it is just for this part of the season, but they are right now doing, through Valentine's Day, a special 20% off complete and pro tune-up packages the Pro Tune regularly 350 is on sale for 280. Complete Tune regularly 175 on sale for 140 through Valentine's Day. This is a great time in the off season to get your bike ready for spring, save some money, and beat that springtime rush when everyone else decides to get their bikes serviced. So check them out at campuscycles.com and get ready now to hear the magic and wisdom and insight from my friend Ryan Avery. Ryan Avery, welcome to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm look, you can't you can't see the people who are listening, but Megan is smiling very very big right now. So I'm I can tell you're enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> I have been so excited to do this interview with you. We've had it teed up a couple times with the holidays and everything. Mm-hmm. Here we are. It's Ju- July, January 30th of 23. Mm-hmm. We're a month into this new year. And I feel like the timing couldn't be more perfect for us to connect. Yes, definitely. That's how it works, right? How it works. And mm-hmm. for our listeners, Ryan Avery is the man who taught me the significance of the word the or the. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. He is the one who is responsible for us breaking a world record back at the end of 2019. I don't know if I'm responsible for it. I'm responsible for a seed. You're responsible for the planting and making it sprout. But yes. We did it together. It was one of my life highlights. Uh, That moment and that experience will forever be one of my top coolest. And we definitely should talk about that. And we will. Um, But let's back up because your history with breaking world records started at a young age. Mm, Yep. Uh, I, I attempted my first one at 12 or 13. Um, my buddies and I, they were these, uh, McDonald's used to do it. I don't know if they did, but you could collect Coke, like Coke tabs, you know, like little tabs. And for every one that you collected, they would like donate a penny for, and, you know, we would go to McDonald's and eat dinner and there would be like 12 of them in there or something like that. And it was the first time when I was like, let's see if this corporation can really handle it. And so like me and my buddies, we, we dug through trash. We handled everything. We collected like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Coke tabs or pop tabs or whatever you call it, wherever you are in the country. Uh, and then we decided to make the longest uh, can tab necklace. And so like my parents said yes to this, which was crazy because like it wove around through my house like up the stairs, through the bedrooms, all the things. And like, my parents were just like, cool with it, which I have no idea how they let me do that. Um, And so we like took the photos, measured it, submitted it. 
And then you have to wait for a while. And Guinness World Records like emailed me back and I was like, yes. And they were like, we're, we regret to inform you that. And I was like, are you serious? They were like, it's not world record worthy. And I was like, the guy who pushes an orange with his nose for a mile is breaking a world record, but it's raised like thousands of dollars for an organization. And uh, it kind of like, it burned me out. I was like, oh, bummer. You know, and I, um, I didn't do, I didn't do any world records for years because I thought I had to wait for permission to do it. Um, mm. And then I started realizing like people were asking me to help organizations or be on boards or things like that. And I, I just didn't want to be a board member. I didn't want to be a thing. And I thought, well, how could we make this the? And I, and then I got back into, oh, we could make this world record happen. Um, and then, yeah, we started, then we started breaking them. Uh, and it became one of my really big purposes in life to break world records around big issues affecting local communities. And that's when I called you up. <laughs> you did. I'm so, I'll be forever thankful and grateful that you did. Um, and your, one of your first ones uh, was the public speaking world record, right? That's right. Yeah. So I was the youngest person to professionally speak. Uh, oh, no, that one was youngest uh, world champion of public speaking, um, which a lot of people don't know this, which is weird. I'm kind of into coincidences, but I was so there's 30,000 people from 116 countries that compete for the world champion. Um, it's an eight month competition. OK, so you go from like 30,000 to 15,000 all the way down the world championship. And I won this and I won this on the 88th anniversary of the world championship out of 88 districts on 818 at 8 a.m. And I was speaker number eight. Come what? on. Yeah, that crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy to me. Yeah, so I won that. And then uh, the next day, I woke up to 269 emails asking me to speak. And I was like, what? Uh, this is a job? <laughs> and I was working at, uh, at a job before I was an entrepreneur. And uh I, I was working and I would go, I would like work like 60 hours a week. I was working a nonprofit. I'd fly out Friday, come back on Saturday, come home on Sunday, speak. And then I was just getting super burnt out. So I was working like 78 hours a week. I had no time for friends or family or oh. anything. And Chelsea and I were at an event one time. And I was like, I think I can do this. Like, I think people do this for a living. I just can't do this if I'm working, you know, 70, 60 hours a week. And I was like, can I quit my job? And she was unemployed at the time. And she's like, all right, let's do it. So we sold everything we had. We moved back in to Texas. So we moved to Texas to live with my parents, which is a really fun feeling, moving your wife back in with your parents. Um, <laughs> and then about six months later, we had a full schedule, and I've been doing it for over a decade now. Amazing. You are the public speaker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's kind. That's nice. Well, you are. I've heard you speak. You're fantastic. I've heard you speak in several contexts on several themes and topics, and you knock it out of the park every single time. So a plug to all of our listeners. If you need the public speaker <laughs> for your event, definitely check out ryanavery.com. Thank you. And you also have all your world records on your website too, right? I do. Yeah, I've got all those, all the ones coming up. Um, so if you ever want to volunteer or I felt like I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody, but there was one world record that I did one time because I always, you know, I promote, I, I don't have social media and I don't have anything really other than like my list or like things that I, and I, when I call it my list, it's like emails. Um, and I, I was breaking this world record one time in New York and I, I like 
go and set up and there's a, a woman who's sitting on the bench like at the location and it's like an hour before the event. And so I go up to her and I was like, oh, hey, um, FYI, we're about to break a world record up here. You can join us. She's like, I know. And I was like, oh, that's so cool that you're here early. She's like, I drove from North Carolina to be here today. And I just like start crying because I'm like, oh my gosh, like you heard about this event and you drove from North Carolina last night to be here with us? And she was like, absolutely, I couldn't miss it. Like, oh, I have always wanted to do this and thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I was like, you're welcome. And I was just like, <laughs> I like start crying. And it was like one of the first times in my life that I was like, whoa, like you can make really big impact in a, in a genuine way and it, you don't have to have a million followers. You don't have to be famous. You don't have, like, I'm not that, any of that stuff. I don't want to be any of that stuff. And to have that moment to like, be like, wow, doing something um, at that caliber could inspire someone to drive multiple states. It was a really cool, cool moment. That is so neat. Yeah. I, I have not heard you tell me that story. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I remembered her now. I remember her name. I remember everything wow. about her. Yeah. Well, we embarked on a 28-hour-long <laughs> indoor cycling class, yeah, December yeah, 1st did. and 2nd of 2019. We had no idea what was about to happen in our country a mere mm. few months later. We had no yes. idea that no one would be going inside to do a spin class for the mm. better part of the next true. two years. True, true. And there we were just before Christmas pedaling those spin bikes for 28 hours straight. And I got a little taste of the magic that you're talking about in terms of how many lives we touched because it wasn't just the people in there on the bikes, all 25 of us that finished. It was the many, many, many volunteers that we also had yes. to have. It was and you enlisted all those people and everyone showed up and everyone did what they came uh -huh. to do. And it was just amazing. I, I, so listeners are going to be like, wow, this dude cries a lot. And I do cry a lot. So that's okay. It I'm not going to bother this bad. Cause I, I don't know if this happened to you. I don't think we talked about this afterwards, but for like a good solid day, I was just crying like out of love and happiness and joy. And I'm talking like, like, <laughs> like crying because <laughs> fatigue so, and sleep deprivation. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but a lot of people don't realize this. And I don't think you've ever shared, or maybe you've shared this. I haven't. So people just assumed that we got 25 people because we wanted all 25 people to complete it. And I'll be the first one to say that is, that was not our goal. Our goal was we had to have a minimum of 10. Yeah. So we were like, Oh, we're going to buffer this up. Yeah. People aren't going to finish it because they, you have to like, when you've biked 12 hours, you have to go, I have another 16 hours to go. It does not compute. I'll tell you right now, it doesn't even like, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and so the fact that every single person finished that in the room truly was one of the most inspirational moments of my entire life. And it made me so emotional for days and days and days because I couldn't comprehend how every single person did it. It was nuts. It was, it was pretty nuts. It was pretty special. And not only that, these are not full-time professional athletes. Every single person in that room has a day job and <laughs> rides recreationally. And, yeah. and no one had been on their bike 
ever close to that long. For most people, no. that was 10x the length of anything they'd ever done. And people don't know this either, but if Megan quit, we all lost. Oh. So we could have quit, okay? And it would have been fine for the team. But if Megan got a cramp or if Megan messed up or if Megan did any of that, so the true yeah. pressure was on you. I mean, I, really, really I, it was. I felt that just <laughs> in the terms of like, oh my gosh, dear body, please don't let yeah. me down right now. And also yeah. like, please, little spin bike, please don't break. Because <laughs> we uh -huh. weren't allowed to swap bikes or swap equipment or... Yeah, I remember the guy, I remember the, I don't want to say names, but the people who were right next to me, um, he was like, I can't do this. I'm going to throw up. And I was like, oh, you can do it. Just throw up. <laughs> like, it's, Just don't stop pedaling. Throwing up doesn't determine if you're going to bike or not. Like, throw it up, man. <laughs> and like, yeah, there was some, there's some good moments in that race that I will always, always, always remember. Oh <laughs> and our friend from the Guinness Book of World Records, the guy that has to come and certify our effort, he shows up kind of in the middle of the overnight stint when mm -hmm. we're all really hardcore on the struggle bus and he is mr stoic i think mm. he's based out of new york but he comes with like stoic hard to read mm. oh my god he's, he's not friend. gonna he's <laughs> not gonna give us the record like this yeah. is i can't tell i can't read his language his body language and so oh. and i feel like there was a moment when you and i looked at each other and we didn't say anything but we both could tell like i looked at you and i was like i don't know how i'm gonna do this man like there is a there is a knife in my knee it is hour 18. How are we going to do this for 10 hours? And you just gave me the look that you were like, keep pedaling. And I was like, fine, Megan, I will. I will. Ugh. I'm not going to be the guy who drops out of this. No way. Well, and I think that's what kept everyone in the room was no one wanted to be the first person. Yeah. I fully believe that if someone had quit, we would have had a cascade and probably would have lost five or eight people. I agree. I agree. Completely. But because no one did, and then it just got to the point where no one wanted to be the first person to do it, it yeah. kept everyone in the room, which is a testament, really, of not just peer pressure, but truly like a community in something for a bigger Absolutely. purpose. Yeah, like I've done marathons, I've done Ironmans, I've done all those ones. And this was a physical feat that was like no other, because you know what it was? It was so mental. It was oh, so yes. insanely mental that I had never experienced a mental mind F like that. <laughs> like it, Same. It, it was like, we, I mean, I look back at this before our time together when you asked me to do this podcast and I have a folder, you know, of every world record and like the, the, the playlists, the 28 hours of songs, the, the actual plan of the workout. Cause we weren't just biking. It was a full cycling class. Like you were like up, down, all right, 37 rides. And like the plan of all of that is nuts. It was nuts. A lot of people don't know this either, but I, what I did, because I had to mentally break it up, so I didn't call them hours, I called them laps. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I believe that if you ever have a mental thing that you have to face, figure out the word that isn't so um, daunting. So 28 hours was really daunting, 28 laps was not for me. And so what I did is I printed out 28 photos of people that inspire me, and they were in charge of that lap. And so I had them on my bike and I was like, cool, this is going to be Beyonce's lap, you know, and then this is going to be TikTok Han's lap. And this is going to be, and I, I just had those. And that's how I helped get through that. Cause it was real.
That's, real. that's, that's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. And, uh, we had a film crew in there filming the whole thing, which added a whole nother level. We were raising money for people for bikes. So we had live feed on the laptop, which was a whole nother level. We had volunteers coming in and out, changing shifts. That was a whole nother level. And then, of course, we pedaled overnight. And in my mind, the entire, uh, what do I want to say? It was like the room in its orientation in time and space completely changed. The room that I walked into at the start of that was not where it was when I left it. I felt like the building, the orientation completely shifted. <laughs> well, uh, absolutely, 100%. And like I, 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 one of the things that I do really feel about this world record is because I was so I always participate obviously but I was also in charge of the video crew and I was also in charge of the volunteers but this one was so difficult because I couldn't move nope. and so the other world records were like okay we'll meet here or we'll talk here and everyone had to come to me so I'm like listening to you while doing these interviews while making sure volunteers are happening and like all this stuff and I remember it being so difficult because I felt like I was being really mean and intense because I would be like Yes! <laughs> like I was yelling, like I would never yell before. And I remember one volunteer telling me afterwards, they were like, you were so intense and polite that I would do anything for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. Uh, he was like, the intensity in which you talked to me, but the politeness in which you had where you said please and thank you, he was like confused. He told me, he was like, wait, what do I, what do I need to do? Wait, do I work for him? Like he was, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, at least I was saying please and thank you. So like that, that's good to know. <laughs> it was so much going on, so, so much going much. on. And then we pulled it off and, and then our record stood for two years. I think we it heard it was just broken years. this year. And here, here's why. Okay. So people always ask me like, do I get upset when my records get broken? No. Okay, the point of breaking history is to inspire others to break history. So what did we do there? Not only did we inspire 25 people plus 50 volunteers plus everybody else, we inspired someone else to go, I can do that. And then do the same thing that we felt we passed it on to somebody else. And then they broke that world record. That's like the coolest thing. That's the coolest thing you can think of is that you inspired someone to break a world record. That's cool. That's a great That's way of looking so at it. Cool. And they did it for 30 hours, it sounds like. Yep. They did it for 30. Yeah. I no thank you. I know. I was, <laughs> I was tempted to reach out to you and say, hey Ryan, what do you think? Could we go 31? And I thought, <sighs> uh, actually I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it's like, you know, I gotta I have a couple endurance ones coming up. Um <sighs> that are little longer than that and but they're with voice so you have to like oh. really get your voice on so um yeah i don't know how people do like physical ones for longer than 24 hours like no it's just nuts to me it's nuts well let's drop the other website which i think they can access on ryan avery also but it's breaking history dot dot tv and, yeah, and you can watch the episode um and like here's how cool megan is y'all Megan like funded this, not like she did. And she <laughs> believed in it so much that she put her own money into making this happen, which is outrageous because I'm not even going to tell you the number that it costs because it's so ridiculous. Um, but she goes, you know, when I told her this, she was like, I'm on board. I'm going to teach the class. I'm going to fund this. Let's make it happen. And, you know, one of the things that you said in the speech that I still remember is, uh, 
there are going to be people who say no and you can't focus on them because you got to focus on the people who said yes. And wow, right? Like it's so true because think about how many people told you no. They did. Um, And the ones that really surprised me, like friends that I consider endurance junkies or people that are always looking for the next challenge or the next adrenaline hit who've done the Mm -hmm. Ironmans and all the things. Mm -hmm. I was really shocked at the no's I got. And then I was Mm -hmm. equally as shocked with the yeses I got from people that I would have assumed would say no. And then they (laughs) said yes. And it was like really inspiring to say Mm -hmm. when people and obviously because they stayed for the whole thing their yes meant hell yes i'm in yes 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 and so it's true it's when you get those no's like don't be disappointed it's gonna find you the right yes i totally believe you in that i totally believe you in that i that was a really powerful experience for me Mm -hmm. too it's one thing to say you know live your life by hell yes and what's what's meant for you will find you and as Mm -hmm. one door closes another one opens and all the fluffy cliches that we hear and you went through so much personal shit too so (laughs) like oh god i mean there were so many personal things that you went through that this could be a book (laughs) because you like you man it was you would call me up every week and tell me and I, my heart would be broken. I'd be like, Megan. And you were like, I'm still going for it. I'm still doing it. And it was. That was a year. It yeah. Was some that real dark stuff, too. Like, we, tense, um, we haven't stuff. talked about maybe some of that, but I'm, I'm in a sharing mood today. But that yeah. May, I was hit by a car in the bike lane and got yep. pretty jacked up. And then that September, I suffered a miscarriage, which was super heartbreaking. Got really yes. excited. And then that. Um, I, I was a little panicky cause I'm like, Ryan, what are we going to do about this with the world record coming up? But I just yeah. had a sense it would all take care of itself. And then unfortunately suffered a miscarriage and, and we were riding oh. all those waves together, you and me, as we were getting ready oh. for that thing in December. It was joy. Like, it was just joyous. You were like, you were pregnant. And we we're like, okay, I'll be, I was like, I'll be the instructor. And I was yeah. like, I was like, not want to be the instructor, but I was so happy for you. And I was like, this. <laughs> And then you called me with that news and I just like bawled for like days. I was just crying because I know that. Oh, and we were just like, Chelsea and I were crying. And then you were like, and then, you know, that's, that's the cool inspirational part is like, you still said, yeah. We leaned in all of us. It was just too important. Man, that is so cool, Megan. That is oh. so cool. You still said yes. Like that is I mean, talk about leadership. Talk about, you know, I've been telling you this for years to develop this keynote. Like this is, there's so many lessons. There's so many relatable moments. There's so many opportunities for people to go, me too here. Like there's, you, you you have this, awesome thing that you produced and did that you should feel really proud of. You're so sweet. Well, I still- People don't even know what you went through to to do it. We, we, (laughs) one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. I felt like I was like, (laughs) 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 you know, I was like, oh my gosh, it was just so crazy. Uh, Well, for two people that have tended to say, what's next? What's the next big thing? What's the next big challenge? What's the next big goal? What am I going to do this year? How am I going to define this year? What's my new mantra? What's my new motto? What's my... What's my thing? I think you and I are very much in this space that we were talking about earlier. I would love for you to shed some light on this where you're mm-hmm. kind of um, pretty hardcore stepping into surrender space right now where you're not chasing mm-hmm. the next big thing as much. Um, yeah. Ch- there's a really great book that I highly recommend. It's called Stretch. Um, okay. I forget the author, but um, it's all about that. Of We've been taught to chase and not to stretch. 
Um, and for so long, I was chasing, you know, world records and world championships and best-selling books. And I have all those things. And I thought those things would make me more fulfilled or teach me who I was. And in some reality, they did. But in a lot of realities, I was doing that because I was hiding behind my insecurities. Like, I don't know if you've ever set a goal because you want people to pay attention to like, whoa, look at what they're doing. Not like, whoa, look at who that person is. And then you accomplish it. And then you're like, oh, whoa, I feel way emptier than I did even before that. And that's a really crappy feeling. And um, I've had those feelings before. And, you know, my whole message is to be the, and I don't share that. I live that, right? But what I was doing is I wasn't living the be part. I was doing the, I wasn't being the. And there's a very big difference there where, um, so I follow this, I follow the doctorate model in the sense of, you know, doctors are considered experts because they do three things. They learn it, they practice it, and they teach it. Okay, so we all know people who, they're constant learners, but all they do is they keep the knowledge to themselves, okay? We also know a bunch of people who practice things, but they never learn new things or new techniques, so they're never getting any better. And then we know those annoying ass people who teach all the time and they have no experience or background behind it, but they just teach you. You're like, stop, what are you doing, right? And so you don't <laughs> want to be one or the other. I like to be all three of those. And what was happening is, you know, I'm, I'm learning what's the difference between being the, and I'm practicing it and I'm implementing it with like world records in my life and then I'm teaching it. And then this like aha moment was coming up where my message isn't do thee, it's be thee. So I have to go back to learning. I have to go back to learning, you know, what does the be part of that mean? Um, I do believe every person has the opportunity to be the at something. Um, and when you lock into that, it allows you to understand what purpose is, not what passion is. And like my being the is speaking. I'm, mm. I'm meant to do that. That is my purpose. I, I absolutely love it to be able to teach and share strategies in a way that other people can benefit from them. Mm -hmm. And this year is all about learning how to, to be. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's difficult. It's not easy. It's very difficult. Yeah. So I don't have goals this year, really. I don't have the word of the year like I always have since I've been 13. Um, you know, like I, I'm being in a way of, I'm enjoying my life. You know, you know this, uh, you know, my house got destroyed last year from a house fire. So I really lost everything and yeah. really helped me um, understand a lot about who I was and what's, what matters to me and what I care about. And then the crappy thing about this is, you know, I thought I was so minimalistic and I thought I was so, I didn't, I don't care about things. And then you like all these little things that you remember that you had that you can't replace, you know, like artwork from my honeymoon or like clothes that your dad buys you that you can never get again or just stuff like that. Or like chalk, even chalk. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm a big chalk artist and I didn't even think about it until recently because my dad was like, Hey, can we chalk? And I was like, yeah. I go, oh, I don't have any of my chalks. No, we can't chalk. Um, so you just like learn all this stuff about you. So then you go into this, this stage of, well, I can't say you, I did. I went back to the same habits that I was doing because I thought buying things were going to make me happier because I didn't have the things anymore. And 
my kids didn't have stuffed animals or I didn't have anything. And so I just bought all this stuff. And then I was like, I now have more stuff than I did before the fire. You know, it's, yeah, you like get into these habits sometimes and you get into this world, but sometimes you have to do it two or three times to figure out like, oh, okay, Ryan, this is not really important to you. You got to take now a step back again, but it'll help you take a step forward. I mean, we all do talk about that whole, what do you do if your house is burning down? What do you take with you? It's a very fun hypothetical exercise to play in. It's a horrible <laughs> nightmare when it yeah. actually unfolds. And the back- You grab the dog. I'll tell you, you grab the dog and you leave the fish. I'll tell you that, okay? <laughs> and the you kids, that. you take the kids. <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily the kids weren't home. Oh, that's so, right, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and the backstory to this, that makes it, I felt so heartbreaking is not just that your home burned, but that you all had spent a year in renovations, building it to be the way you wanted and had just put the decorative touches and the fancy artwork up and had really yeah. literally just said the home is complete. Yeah. This was before the Ukrainian war, but I, I commissioned this Ukrainian artist to make this unbelievable piece of art that I've always had in my head. And, uh, they, you know, this is like money that I've earned. And this is like big, my first big boy art. Like I wanted it and I bought it for myself. You know, those purchases when you're like, I'm going to finally do it. Like, and I did it and it's just like three dimensional world map and it has like lights and it's been where, where we've all been. So instead of oh. pins, it like shines light. And it was just so cool. And it could change colors depending on the, it was awesome. And I walk into my house. <laughs> so it's like, we renovated it where that was the first thing you walk in. So you open the front door and there was this wall there and that's all that's there. And I walk in and it's just burnt. And like Europe is like, er, 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 and it's like swinging upside down, like hanging. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, cool. I'm never going to be able to get that. But okay, cool. Great, 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 great. Yeah, it was just, you had to laugh. You had to laugh at those things. You had to figure out, you had to cry a lot. <sighs> you had to laugh a lot. You had to go to therapy. Yeah, it was a, it was a wild. And then it, I, it, this ties into people's mentality because there's a couple things about the fire that happened. Okay, first off, guilt sits in. Guilt sits in for me. I'm, I'm going to share my experience. I feel guilty because I have a lot of resources. I have family, I have money, I have things that other people don't when they lose their homes. Yet people on my street, you know, they, they, they put money in an envelope and it was like 40 bucks and they're like, get dinner on us. You know, um, there Humans were people who like sewed pillows for my kids to have a, a good night's sleep instead of a hotel pillow. And it's like these things that you, people are thinking of you and you're like, oh, well, I don't really need it because I have other things. And then you just really learn that like people love to help people. Like people do and you have to accept it and you have to learn to like, you don't have to be this person who says like, no, 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 I don't need it. You just accept it because people like to help. Yes. And it was this really cool feeling to realize like, there are people who love to help people in this world. So let them and don't feel guilty about it mm -hmm. and know that like 
things happen and you got to believe that it's for a reason. <laughs> you got to believe it. Yeah. Super powerful experience. Not something you would ever wish for you and your family, but it sounds like it has um, flipped some things on their head in a way, huh? Totally. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you've got to, yeah, there's so much mental stuff because, you know, we technically didn't lose everything. Like our basement luckily didn't burn. Like there was a room that got, but you know, I like lost all of my documents and like high school stuff and college stuff. And I think people, I do believe that people try to do it in a good way, but then they can say things that, you know, like, I don't know, kind of tick me off sometimes. They're like, well, at least you didn't lose everything. Like, you're fine. Oh. Like, it didn't go to studs. And you're like, yeah, you're right. At least that didn't happen. And you, you think they're coming from a good place, but it just for some reason irritates you that you're like, uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. I didn't lose technically everything, but... I'll tell you right now, it's really annoying when you don't have a pin <laughs> and you can't go to your, in your house because now it's a hazard scene for months at end. Um, yeah, it's, this is mental stuff that you got to work on. Isn't that interesting? Um, I'm so glad you raised that issue. It has taught me to really work harder at being a better listener mm. and talk about reading mm. the room. And mm. for some reason, people feel the need to inject this extra optimism. Like, well, at least you still have your studs. <laughs> And um, yeah. I, I get that that's like trying to look at the glass half full. Right, right. But having just been hit by a car and having been very badly injured, the number of people that were like, well, at least you're alive. And that's true. That is factually yes. true. And that yes. is a blessing. I'm super gr grateful for that. Yeah. Um, please don't deprive me from the opportunity to also just be in my suck for a little bit. Like, totally. could you just please I, just lean in a little bit on the compassion? <laughs> totally. I remember learning that from this awesome speaker and this amazing athlete, Taria Pitt. She's an Australian who was burned on her body by maybe like 90%. And um, she said, you know, so many people were trying to come up to her and be like, oh, you still look pretty. Are you still this? Or like, you're looking fine. And she said, the thing that I love the most when someone was really simply willing to be with me, because I knew there was another human presence next to me. I didn't need to know that everything was going to be okay. I simply needed to know that someone was there. And so that's what being is all about, right? Is you don't have to do, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to speak. Obviously, if that person needs help and they need the glass of water or they need you to take their kids to school, of course, of course. But most people, what they're looking for is to know that there is someone next to them. They're there. They're being there. Yeah. So how is this journey into being unfolding for you? Where What's an example of an old default that you find yourself slip back into where you can now say, oh, oh there it is, Ryan. Like, there's that thing. Um, one of the big ones was with money. And so, you know, I used to do 75 keynote speaking events a year um, because I thought that was the number that made it sound cool. You know, I was like, whoa, look at me. I'm doing 75. Uh, but I was like, why? Why am I doing this many? And so one of my uh, mentors made me budget out everything I want, you know, like, go for it. Like, you want the plane, you want this, you want that, you want it all. Um, and then you're like, I don't really need a plane, scratch that off. <laughs> you know, like, you kind of start, you know, you know, mm -hmm. and that was good. It was a good exercise. Um, but it's so crazy how much we as high achievers 
can reach our goal and then not be satisfied until we triple it or quadruple it or and you're like what are you chasing this for you know like what are you doing and so i realized okay 45 keynotes gives me more than enough of the budget that i want to live and give and invest and save and all the things that i want to do as well and be um, so cutting that down so I can spend more time with my family and yeah. be on the road less and be here in Colorado more. Um, I'm a big paraglider, so I'm getting, <laughs> getting a new paraglider cause that's gone too. <laughs> my paraglider got ruined. Um, and I had a really bad crash, uh, maybe like eight months ago and I haven't oh, been dang. since because I've been so afraid, you know, like I, you can probably relate to this more than anyone, like getting back on the bike again, on a road again, like there's, and we love it. And it's something we love, right? It's our favorite thing. Ugh, it's our favorite thing to do. And fear because something happened is affecting this moment. And it sucks. It sucks so hardcore that you can question your abilities and your opportunities and things like that. It's my favorite thing to do in the world. And I haven't been able to get back up in the air but I'm, I'm going sorry. to this season. I okay. will get up again this season. I will. Yeah, it turns your brain into a pretzel. That's for sure. It's everything from you're tougher than this. Why is this affecting you so much? To oh, well, I now I know that I should be scared of this. And maybe, my, you know, the curtain's been pulled back a little bit where I see how vulnerable I am in this activity To yeah. But no, this is my joy and yeah. all the things. 100%. Mental pretzel. 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It really is. It's well, nuts. When I think of people who have designed a life very intentionally, who mm. live a life by design on purpose, you mm. are at the top of that list. Thank you. I feel so much. well, I just don't see anything happens to you um just without conscious intention. It, things don't just slide into your life where you you haven't questioned whether they should be there, you know. Have you always been that way? Is that something that you and Chelsea have decided to do together? Where does that come from? Um, I do believe a lot of it comes from my partner, uh, and both my business partner and my wife, who's my you know partner in a lot of things in life and in general. And um, because you know, Chelsea and I have been together sixteen years, and we were talking about this because, you know, we've had some really rough patches in our relationship, like rough where we're like, why are we even together? Like, okay, couples therapy in the sense of like, what do we do here? We had a really bad one a little bit ago. Um, and one of the things we always say is, you know, we came together by chance, but we stay together by choice. And most of us, I bet most people on this listening right now are business related, right? So they have some entrepreneurial background or they work for someone and they're in a position of leadership. And so often we don't transfer personal to professional or professional to personal. And so what we do is we're so good at business, right? We make plans, we schedule meetings, we create budgets, and then our personal life's a wreck. <laughs> and we're like, why? And I'm like, what's your budget? And they're like, what budget? <laughs> you're like, what are you talking about? And so one of the things that we do as well in our personal life and our professional life is we do not leave things to chance. We Ooh. make choices. And the choices that we make are A, together. It's very important. 
And we make choices of, okay, well, we want this. So then what are we needing to do or be in order to get that? Um, versus, oh, when it happens, it happens, or we'll let it be that, or um, no, you're still allowed to be while also planning. What it is, is if you're on the too much, like uh, Jim Rohn does a really good job of explaining this, right? So Jim Rohn, phenomenal motivational speaker, he talks about um, the fence between ambition and content. Oh. And he says, most people... Um, that we interact with, uh, there's three types of people. There are those who are super content, but they've been content their whole life and they haven't really done anything and they're still sleeping on their parents' couch and they have no ambitions to help people. And they're, you know, we know these people. They're just fine with whatever they get, okay? And then there's those people, we definitely know these people, especially in the entrepreneur world, who are super ambitious. And they're like, you know, they win it and they're like, well, we're going to do it again and even better. And they're like, they reach their goals and they're like, well, not 8 million this year, 10 million next. Right. And you're like, slow the F down, dude. <laughs> and then there's those of us who I strive to be. And he says, the best people, the happiest people are those who have, are straddling the fence and have a foot in each. They're content and they're ambitious. Oh, they're both. And you can be both. We're very big with and in our family, not or. Right. So we 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 like the mountains and the beach. So we live in Colorado and Australia. We you know, we like um, to watch movies and we like to paraglide like we we like the ands in our in our uh, family. And so embrace the ands. Don't think about the oars. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah, very much by design. In fact, you're toying with maybe living remotely for an extended period of time. Most people would say that's crazy, two young kids, and yet for you and your partner, totally yeah. feasible. Totally feasible. We're, um, we are going to, we've decided we're going mm -hmm. to design that when the kids transfer. So my kids are younger, and mm -hmm. we've talked about it where um, we're going to do it during fifth grade for my daughter and third grade for my um, son. And that's because uh, for their schooling, sixth grade is a new experience. And then fourth grade is a new experience for them because they do it in blocks. That makes uh, sense. Because they go to Montessori. And so it's a right transition where when they go back to school, it'll all be new for everybody while also still having this, you know, international experience. And they already used to living international, um, but it, it's, I shouldn't say but there. Uh, it's Australia, so it's another English-speaking language. It's very similar to where we live. So we want an experience that is very culturally different in the sense of um, educating our children through experience, yeah. not simply books. Um, I want my kids to see how the world works. Like One of my biggest things is I don't want my kids to say the Australians drive on the wrong side of the road. Uh -huh. I want them to say they drive on the left side of the road or the right side of the road. Like I want them to identify that our way is not the right way. It's the way that's right for us. Right. And so if we have this perspective that there are a variety of ways that you can do things while still getting along, um, you're going to have a much better chance in life to be successful and to be happier and to be content with the people that you are surrounded by. I love it. Yeah. Do you ever feel I'm navigating sort of a new chapter of life and I sense that you are as well, just through some, I mean, the fire was a big, you know, 
that, that's how we did life before. And now we're going to do life this new way over here. Not so much by choice, but this is happening. Yeah. Uh, how hard mass consciousness pushes back on those of us who are diverting from the norm. And how, how do you much, guys approach that? How do we approach when other people push back on our lifestyle? Yeah. Uh, Cause you guys do a lot of things that are different from the norm and yes. people probably, you get that unsolicited feedback of, well, you can't do it that way, but that's not possible. Yeah, we get that all the time, especially from my family. <laughs> they mean well. They mean well, but they mean well, and I love my family. Like my family are entrepreneurs. They're great. They're so supportive. They're awesome. Again, I really don't believe people do it out of uh, meanness. I think they do it out of believing that it's helping because they want to keep you safe. Correct. And you get that. Of course, my mom wants to keep me safe, right? And so she's yep. doing what she believes is best for that. Um, you know, my father-in-law says things to keep his daughter safe. Like I understand that, right? Here's this yeah. boy taking his girl to, you know, wild places over there doing crazy shit. I get that. I get that. Um, you really have to be comfortable with not living someone else's life, but living mm -hmm. the life you want to live. And it's hard. It's really hard. But if you have a, a few people who are on board with it, who support mm -hmm. it, it's so much easier, right? That's why I like EO. That's why I like hanging yeah. out with people like you. Cause I could text you and be like, we're moving to Spain. And you'd be like, yeah, <laughs> right. You'd be like, yeah. Or I could text somebody else and they're like, how are you going to afford it? What are you going to do? Where's totally. it going to, you know, there's just going to be totally different energies. And so knowing where those energies come from also are hu super huge because I do need those energies. Sometimes I need the budget people and sometimes right. I need the hype people, right? So knowing that you don't always have to get both from every interaction or friend or family member, but you being responsible with understanding that you know what this person's going to give you, so go to them when you want that is a really big thing. Also, I would say I got over that in my probably late 20s, early 30s is when I started really not giving an F what people thought. And, you know, I used to hear that when people were like, haters going to hate. And I'm the type of person who's like, no, I don't want anyone to hate me. What? Like, no, I want everyone to love me. What are you talking about? And now I've come to understand, like, it's not haters going to hate. It's haters aren't going to understand. Mm, good distinction. Yeah, my job isn't for you to understand my lifestyle. My job isn't for me to have to get approval from you that you think that I should be manlier or have a deeper voice or not have such flamboyant arm gestures or whatever the comments are that I always get. Um, I'm really, really happy with who I am. Mm. And that took a really, really long time to, to be. That took a really long time to, to get there because I'm such a people pleaser um, that I, I could be such a good chameleon and people not know it. You know, and now it's so easy to be like, no, I don't want to get a drink tonight <laughs> with you. Like, I don't. And that's OK. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's OK. Mm. Well, especially in the public speaking context, I imagine you send out post uh, talk um, surveys or maybe not. But in, regardless, mm -hmm. I'm sure you get feedback, whether it's solicited or not. And it it feels, unfortunately, like the ones who are most vocal tend to be the ones who have criticism. Just like you see on Yelp reviews of restaurants and stuff, people will take more time to leave a complaint than they will to leave a compliment. 
And yeah. here you are putting yourself in front of people. How do you handle that so well? One of the things that I do is I have an inspirational folder on my email. Um, and so anytime someone reaches out and they're like, this changed my life, this is a strategy I still use, here's how you're helping me, I put it in my inspirational folder. So anytime I do get down on myself or I start questioning myself or someone says something really mean or nasty to me, I counteract with going into my inspirational folder and not letting my mind drift to be like, hey, no, yes, you might be upsetting people, but you're also pleasing a lot of people too. But more importantly, how do you feel, Ryan? Mm -hmm. Are you happy? Is this the job you want? I have stepped into a job of people believing they can give me an opinion whenever they want. Totally. And I know that's the job that I have. I have volunteered. If, if I didn't want that, I could go and get another job and, you know, that's fine. Um, that is part of it. And I have stepped into that and I have acknowledged that. And I am, I'm also really clear that people usually really don't like me or they really like me. There's no in between. There's not like, oh, like he's a cool guy. <laughs> They're like, that guy sucks. Or you're like, oh my gosh, Ryan, have you met him? He's like, that's, you should hang out with him. Like it's one or the other. And I'm okay with that now uh, because that really falls into the V, right? I don't want you to be like, eh, he's okay. I want you to either be like, what he's saying is wrong or I want you to be like, yes, I'm going to eat up all of that. Give me more, right? I, that's the V part of, the, of me. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like it, it doesn't take time. It takes experience. And what I mean by that is there's a big difference between 30 years of experience and 30 years worth of experience, right? So you can have more experience if you do and act on things in a way that allows you to be more. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had a variety of different experiences at my age that allows me to speed up the, the quote unquote, some time it might take for most people to learn that, you know, I've, I feel like I have had ev a lot of, I haven't had every, but I have had a lot of experiences. Yeah. You seem to really integrate them well and embody the things. Um, yeah, I feel like you really do take stuff in and then process it in a way that makes your life more enriched. You know, one thing, um, hold on, I'm writing this note down that. Um, yeah, go for it. I, ugh, I was going to say something about, he's going to hate, but he's going to understand. I, I lost my thought. Because I wanted to write that down. Remember it. Well, all good. I was just complimenting you on your ability to 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 take input and then um, kind of mobilize that experience and that wisdom, as you said. You yes, you're having the experiences, but it's also translating into wisdom for you. Where I really feel. Thank you. That's yeah. what it was. Is um, you know, there are some people who believe that every experience you can learn something from. And yes, I believe that's true. But the most important thing, the thing that I believe why I have a, a, an outlook on life that is exciting and aware is because I don't think about every lesson as something I can learn. I think about every lesson as something I can teach. And why that's important is because mm. one's is all about you and one is all about helping others. And when you have this perspective of being able to see how your life or your experience can contribute to the life of someone else, 
you're going to have a very different outlook on life. And so I don't think about what did I learn from this? Maybe that's where I start. Um, but I continue with great. Now, what can I teach that helps people be better at their life? So that would be one of the big Ooh. things that I would share is, you know, 2023, there's going to be a rough patch for you. There's going to be something that happens. Yep. There's going to be a death. There's going to be a life. There's going to be a hate. There's going to be a love. Any of those experiences, it's not about simply what you learn. It's what can you do to help someone else because you went through that. I love that. Gosh, what a great distinction. And what I want to build on that is, you know, 99% of the population has this deathly fear of being a public speaker, which of course you do not suffer from <laughs> yeah. that fear. But imagine if people could at least pretend that they are a professional public speaker so that when they have an experience, they can say, what cool. from this could I teach someone about? I think that's a Absolutely. really healthy reframe. That's a great distinction that you make. Yeah. And it doesn't even have, it doesn't, there's so many people who add value to our world, teachers, lawyers, uh, doctors, uh, nurses. There's so many people that add value and teach on a consistent basis that if you can remember to, you're experiencing someone, I, I truly believe this. We experience things to connect with people who we don't already know. Oh, period. I believe I had to experience that fire because one day I will interact with someone who had that and they wouldn't have listened to me otherwise because they don't know that, oh, well, he didn't go through it. But now they go, oh, he did go through it. The door is open for knowledge and I can share it and plant that seed and then therefore they can take it. I strongly believe that. Ooh, that's also a great reframe. It's just a more positive way of looking at the things that happened to us that we may wish had not happened to us. And it's a Absolutely. slightly nicer, I like the nuance of, well, everything happens for a reason. That can be a hard mm -hmm. pill to swallow, especially yeah. when it's a shitty event. But I right. like the reframe of this experience, good, bad, or otherwise, is going to ultimately connect me to someone who I wouldn't yes. have otherwise connected with or had a yeah. way to connect with. And that phrase, you know, everything happens for a reason. That reason might not benefit you. It might benefit someone else. I feel like that's the trick there is some people think like everything happens for a reason. It's going to help me one day. No, it might never help you, but it might have helped someone else that then inspired them to create something that then helped other people. That I do believe. I do believe. It's just reframing it that the reason might not be in your favor. <laughs> That's so yeah. powerful. So true. Well, one more thing I wanted to touch on, I want to respect your time, but it's, mm -hmm. it's such a um, unique aspect to you as a business owner, particularly a professional public speaker, someone who is uh, hired and recruited based on uh, really having a, a public persona um, and being mm -hmm. well known is that you, since I've known you, you do not social media is not part of your reality and yet you're mm -hmm. crushing it in business. You're crushing it as an entrepreneur and you've never felt mm -hmm. like you're missing anything on the not being on social media. You have a strong mm -hmm. website for sure, mm -hmm. but yes. t tell me about this. And you've never felt like it's detracted from your business. And you've also shared with me that you think it's a way that you and your family are so well connected, you and your kids and your wife. Yeah. Um, this is like one of the number one questions I get asked of like why I don't have social media and I also love when these people who are 
are like big in the social media. They're like, I could grow your business so much. Like you could have a million followers. Here's the thing I'm going to say about social media. Social media is a great thing. It's also a bad thing. Um, donuts are a really good thing. There also can be a bad thing, right? <laughs> it's how we use it. And I don't, I, I am an extreme person. So like, if you put probably 12 donuts in front of me and I'm hungry, I'll probably eat nine of them because that's how I am. Like I'm an intense all in type of person. And so if I had social media, I know I would be on it all the time and I would post this and it would take me away from the life that I'm living. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the very first things. I know what type of person I am. I'm an all in person. Um, the other thing is I don't need a million followers. I don't need people to know that I made dinner last night. Um, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to do that. So true. Okay. So true. Um, and here's, uh, here's why my clients and, and there will be public speakers. There'll be everybody who contradicts this. And I, we're both right. Um, my clients don't care if I have a million followers, they're not hiring me for that. Are there speakers that get hired because they have a million followers? Yes. They're called influencers and celebrities. And that's why people get paid and they get paid really big bucks because it draws into yes. That's not the type of speaker I am. My, the reason 100% of my business is referral, okay? I don't do any outsource marketing. I go and I speak at one event and then somebody else will hire me or two people will be on a board or it'll happen. The next event that I'm doing next week, they heard me three years ago, right? So it, awesome. it can be all over the place within that. They hire me because they want to make their next event better than last year's event. And they want tangible strategies that are relatable to the audience that is in the room that they can use immediately. And so that does not require social media in order to do that. Now, if you're a celebrity, if you're like posting the photo on that, great, that's the type of speaker you are. I know what type of speaker I am. And yeah, I really, I really do believe that what has happened is technology, social media, it can and enhance a relationship. It should not replace relationships. And that's what totally. we've done with, that's what we've done is a lot of us replace social media with believing because you press like, you're interacting with that person. And in a way you might be, um, but you're replacing the human connection in which we all need and want and crave. I am mm -hmm. not saying you shouldn't have social media. I'm saying you shouldn't have social media if you don't know why you're not on it. Like if you're doing it because everyone else is doing it, you should probably check in with yourself and say like, why am I doing this? It's also really good for my business and the fact that I do 45 events a year. My clients text me, they call me. Um, they have my self, personal cell phone number. That's the type of clients I work with too. I want to work with people who are people. <laughs> so I'm attracting, I'm designing yeah. the life in which I want to live with the people in which I want to work for. So there's a variety of reasons why I don't have it, um, but those would be the few. I love it. Again, back to your 100% intentionality. Nothing happens not on purpose, which I so right. appreciate and admire about you. Um, yeah. The book you mentioned earlier that you're reading is called what? About being? Um, hold on one sec. I have it. It's on my desk. It is called Stretch by Scott Stonishan. Don't shine. Cool. Yeah. Nice. I haven't heard of it, but can't wait to read it. It's really, really impactful right now. I'm halfway through and it's, it's awesome. 
I just finished a book called 4,000 Weeks, um, which was just published and released this year. Gosh, I've heard so many good things about this that you're like the multiple person who said it. Okay, that's on my list next. It's funny because it's called Time Management for Mortals, which I suppose it is, but it is not a time management hack book. It is rather Mm -hmm. redefining and reorienting our relationship with time. And one of my biggest takeaways, which I think you'll really appreciate um, the book, but one of my biggest takeaways, which really kind of hit me hard and I'm experiencing in life is that the more flexible our schedules have become, whether because of COVID and working from home or just more and more people are self-employed, the harder it is to connect with people because now suddenly people in general don't want something on their calendar. They want to keep their options open because now there's so much flexibility. They don't want to be tethered or impacted or inconvenienced by plans. And so we're volunteering less. We're, we're doing less with our community. We're becoming these islands of one because, you know, no one's going to mess with my schedule and my independence. And it turns into a really lonely existence. And I'm experiencing that just among kind of like female friendships that I'm trying to nurture is it is so doggone hard to connect with people. Everyone is so busy and yet we all have these very flexible schedules where we really could pretty much make anything happen that we want at any given time. Yeah, I have a whole nother theory we can talk about that on. Of My next book is going to be all about the concept of this macro view that we have that needs to go back to micro view and micro communities of this view of we don't need to go bigger, we need to go closer. And in order to do that, we've got to ha- go back to that, you know, official unit where there's you know 10 people in our unit we have have three friends in the four family and that will make us then be able to heal the world yeah i i'm a big believer on that i totally oh i can't wait to read that um (laughs) anything else that's on your mind like a quote or a book or a song or a movie or something you've recently done or seen that's really touched you the biggest thing that we talk about right now that i've been talking a lot about my clients with and i'll leave you with this is the concept of a leader is afraid, the leader is aware. Okay, so you're afraid about your budget, you're afraid of what's going to happen in the economy, you're afraid of this. And when we lead out of fear, when we live out of fear, creativity doesn't come up, innovation doesn't come up. It's, it's a really stagnant feeling. But when we live out of awareness, and we're aware that this is where our money is, and we're aware that this is where and what the economy could be, and we're aware that things could happen, well, then we're open to creativity and we're open to these opportunities. Being afraid prevents you from doing things. Being aware prepares you to do the right things. And so what I would challenge everyone on who is listening right now is look at something that you are afraid of and convert that to awareness And look instantly how your energy changes to what it is that you want to do and how you want to be within that subject. Empowerment. Empowerment 101. I love that. There you go. So good. So good. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. And just for our uh, listeners, in case they want to directly hit you up right away, what's the email that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, um, Ryan at RyanAvery.com. All of my videos are there if you want to touch that and my infographics, all the things there, my Forbes articles, uh, Ryan at RyanAvery.com. And then my my website's RyanAvery.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today and all your nuggets of wisdom. I so appreciate it. It's so good. So lovely to start the new year off with you. You too, Megan. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate you and keep being the... Amen. 
Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.